Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Jinx Dance Media Podcast. I want to thank you all for tuning in to this very first episode, and I'm just super excited to kick this off. For those of you who don't know me, I want to start by giving a bit of background on myself and Jinx Dance Media, as well as the kind of content you can expect from this podcast. Towards the end of this episode, I'll be giving a brief sample of what you can expect from future episodes by providing you all with a few of my top tips for organizing a quality dance event. So, starting with the basics, my name is Jude, and I am the founder and CEO of Jinx Dance Media, which is an events and creative content marketing service for dancers, dance organizations, and dance sponsors. I'll talk a little more about why I started Jinx Dance Media and this podcast here in a moment, but before I dive into that, I feel it's also important for me to give some context as to what makes me qualified to talk about organizing a dance event in the first place. So bear with me as I try to make this long story short. Going all the way back to the beginning of when I started dancing, um, (laughs) I roughly started out in 2015, 2016, and was mostly self-taught for the first few years. In 2018, I had moved to Chicago to major in dance at Columbia College Chicago, and that's when I began actively participating in the street dance community here. I started learning popping, animation, and robotics from T-Bugs, Prototype, and other members of Shadow Puppets crew, which I became an official member of in 2020. During this time, I had developed an interest in what goes into putting together a dance event, And I interned for our dance department twice, first as their social media manager for about six months, and then later as the event coordinator for the B-Series, which was our department's annual hip hop and street dance festival for students. I also was involved with a few other on-campus dance events for some time, ranging from hip hop jams to concert dance performances, but And I don't say this maliciously at all, (laughs) but just given that they were mostly student run and we had very little experience in events design or marketing, I personally just felt they lacked a certain level of quality and professionalism that I really wanted to strive for. So in order to kind of take my knowledge and skill set to the next level, I began interning at a few professional events companies in Chicago, such as Dim Events and Carol Fox and Associates. And during these internships, I worked on a variety of events ranging from virtual webinars and conferences to fundraising galas and food festivals and things like that. And I really just wanted to take that knowledge and apply that to dance events. So simultaneously, while I was doing all of this, I began working on developing Shadow Puppets as more of a brand. I started by creating video content and managing our social media and eventually built out our website and became the lead producer for our events, starting with Nightmare on Rockwell Street in 2021, which was our debut event, and Out of the Shadows, which actually happened earlier this year. And I'm gonna pause for a moment to do a little shameless plug. Uh, Out of the Shadows Volume 2 is actually coming back next May 5th through 7th, 2023, so be there. Um, We just announced our judges. I know the DJs and MCs will be announced really soon. Um, There's going to be a 3v3 crew invitational battle and a 1v1 popping battle. Uh, We have up to $1,500 in prizes, so 
make sure you're there. It's going to be awesome. You can see all the event details on our website, shadowpuppetscrew.com, or you can follow us on our Instagram at shadowpuppetscrew. Uh, puppets is spelled with a Z at the end. So, sorry, just wanted to shameless plug that event because I am so, so, so excited for it. Um, we've been working really, really hard for the past several months on getting everything prepped and ready, and we're going to be releasing a lot of content about that soon. And I will very likely be doing a future podcast episode talking about our process for putting that event together. So just wanted to plug that because I'm really, really stoked. So anyways, um, getting back on topic, once I graduated, I also began working full-time for Spalding Ridge, a technology implementation and business services company, which is where I currently work as their event coordinator for... They do roughly about 50 plus uh, events a year, and they're mostly B2B events, so business to business for those of you who aren't familiar with that term. Um, and so I work on a range of different types of events from intimate dinners to 200 plus person happy hours, webinars, and I'm also currently in the process of organizing a virtual in-person hybrid conference next year, which is going to be a big undertaking. So really excited for that project as well. So that's kind of where I'm at currently in my career. And just that's a little bit about my experience. So you guys know where I'm coming from and what I have to offer. And if you think I'm qualified, then you can continue to listen on. <laughs> um, anyways, so next I kind of just want to talk a little bit about why I started Jinx Dance Media. Um, I started it for a few reasons. First of all, I really wanted to provide the professional knowledge and resources I have from events and marketing to the dance community for those who want to do events and creative dance content, but don't really know where to start. Organizing dance events, especially street dance events, which is what I'm going to be primarily focused on in this podcast, uh, is not the most traditional career path, I think we can all agree. And I feel there isn't a lot of accessible information out there for people who want to learn this stuff. So most street dance event organizers I've connected with, and myself included in this, uh, we've all just had to learn through trial and error. And while I think you'll need to experience some of that regardless, I do think there are a lot of challenges and mistakes you can bypass by learning from other people who already have that experience. The second reason I wanted to start this podcast and my company in general is because I want this to be a platform to highlight and gain insights from other event organizers and creators I've connected with. I already have such a long list of people I want to hear from and who I think can provide a lot of valuable knowledge to you all as well. So definitely look forward to some future podcast episodes with special guests. And if there's anyone that you guys want to hear from and you have someone specific in mind, please feel free to let me know because I want to be able to provide information and bring people on that you guys actually want to hear about. So definitely let me know and I would be happy to look into getting those people on. Thirdly, I want to help bridge the gap between event organizers and event attendees in the dance community. I think there is often a huge, huge disconnect. And I cannot tell you the amount of times I've heard things like, event organizers don't understand this or that, and they need to do X, Y, and Z. Or 
Attendees are so ungrateful. They don't understand how much work it takes to put on an event like this. And I think both sides have truth to them in the sense that, yes, oftentimes attendees may give feedback that's overly critical, harsh, comes from a place of either entitlement or even just ignorance of what it takes to put on an event. As an event organizer who pours so much of your time and energy into putting together an event, this can be really challenging to receive. And sometimes event organizers get blamed for stuff that's completely out of our control as well, and that sucks too. So on that side of things, I think it's important to take feedback with a grain of salt and learn to discern what is helpful and what isn't helpful. Because let's face it, it's impossible to make everyone happy. And I'm also hoping that this podcast can help make the work that goes into putting an event more visible. So it can help attendees set realistic standards as to what they should expect from a quality event as well. On the flip side, however, I've seen so many instances in which event organizers are completely unreceptive to feedback from attendees and put together these events for the wrong reasons or really just lead with their own ego. And this actually leads me into my first tip on how to organize a quality dance event. So tip number one is have a service mindset. It is our job as event organizers to serve the community and host events that attendees find valuable. You cannot do that if you aren't listening to your attendees. You have to be able to set your ego aside, listen to feedback, and you need to act on that feedback in order to build trust. The best events I've been to, whenever I ask for something or run into a problem, the organizers don't just tell me no, but instead are always offering to look into the problem and try to find a solution. Providing quality hospitality and treating your attendees like they're clients or VIP guests can really make your event stand out. Your goal as an organizer should always be to ensure that everyone involved in your event has the best possible experience you can provide them with, whether that's attendees, your judges, your MCs, your DJs, your staff, your volunteers, literally everyone who's involved, you want them to have a positive experience. Because if your attendees and everyone that you work with genuinely feel like you care about them and their experience, it's going to show and that's what's gonna keep people coming back to your events. Tip number two is to have a clear purpose. All too often, I see people hosting events just for the sake of hosting an event. And quite frankly, I think that is what has led to such a huge oversaturation of poor quality events in the dance scene. In Chicago, for instance, there is a battle pretty much every weekend of the year except during winter because that weather is just brutal. Um, But that being said, I could probably count on one hand the number of events I would actually recommend people go to here in Chicago. So without a clear purpose for your event, your event will not stand out from all the others that are doing the exact same thing as you. Furthermore, it's impossible to make decisions about what you do and don't want to do for your event if you have nothing to drive those decisions. And it's impossible to evaluate success if you don't know what you're trying to accomplish either. So events with a clear driving purpose, in my experience, are always much more intentional. And it's clear that there is a lot of care and consideration put into every detail. Another way to think about it as well is what value is your event offering or providing that other events are not and why is that important? So tip number three is to have a run of show. A run of show is essentially a timeline which breaks down 
everything that needs to happen throughout your event and when it will happen. If any of you have ever been to a dance battle where it runs several hours late, everyone's miserable, tired, hungry, then you understand my pain because typically it's those same events that do not have a run of show. Um, So how I make my run of shows is I go into Excel or Google Sheets and I make a column for the event or action item, setup, uh, check-in, MC introduction, prelim start, etc. Those are some examples. Um, And then I make a column for when said event or action item will happen. And then a column for who's responsible for making it happen or who needs to be there. And a column for location if you're dealing with multiple locations. Um, Or you can have a column for notes or any extra things like um, if you're doing a hybrid event, for example, a need to mark camera cues, something like that, you can add extra columns on for those different things. Um, But usually those are the bare minimum columns that I include. So the event or action item, who's responsible and the time that it's happening. And then a notes section usually. Now, it is super important to make sure your run of show is realistic as well. A good rule of thumb is to always give yourself more time than you think you will need. It's very common for things to pop up or some things may take longer than you're expecting. If you can do a dry run to see how long everything will take, that's great. But otherwise, a great way to calculate how much time everything will take is to literally just sit down and list out everything that needs to get done for each action item and how much time you will think it will take to do everything. For example, for setup, I'll make a list of all the things that need to get done, such as setting up check-in table, moving curtains, setting up lights, setting up vending tables, judge seating, clipboards, etc. Like you name it. And I will literally estimate how much time I think everything will take and add that up. So say setting up the check-in table takes 15 minutes. Setting up the judge seating takes another five minutes, like things like that. And then I will literally just add all of that up. If I expect it will take me about 30 to 45 minutes to set up, I give myself an hour. Uh, For calculating how long battles will take, estimate how many competitors you think you're going to have and multiply that by how many seconds each round should be. And then give yourself some wiggle room for transitions. If you do this, you should have a relatively accurate run of show and you should be able to avoid running hours late at your event. So that is my number three tip. (laughs) Moving on to number four, I highly recommend that you consult with experienced individuals in the community as to who you should hire for your event. This tip is mostly for people who are maybe newer to the dance community or to hosting events, or maybe for example, you know, you're really experienced in the popping scene, but you want to host like a breaking event, right? Um, And expand your horizons in that sense. Or I know there's a lot of organizers out there who start with one style event and then they start to add on other styles and they'll have multiple categories. So this is more relevant for that. Um, It's just super important to make sure that you're consulting with experts within the dance community as to who is qualified to judge, DJ, or even MC at your event. Um, This is gonna vary. And I think it's always good to get multiple opinions, right? Uh, But usually look at your local community um, and just see who really knows what they're doing and who most people consider to be qualified. It's going to vary for each community though. So you as an event organizer, are responsible for who you trust to put in those positions for your event. And if they perform badly or are considered controversial for any reason, 
then you're going to be the one it reflects poorly on. So if your judges, you know, if everyone hates them for some reason, and not just select few people who are upset because they didn't get in the battle, but if literally everyone is just upset with your judge selection, that is not going to reflect as badly on the judges as it's going to reflect on you as an event organizer, because you're the one that chose to hire those people and you're the one that put that trust in them. And so it's going to reflect on your event. So making sure that you're taking responsibility for that is super important. And trust me, it's not a good look to have if you mess up on this one. So make sure you do your research and consult with your local experts within your community. Number five, my number five tip is to have a budget slash have a realistic budget. Um, I say have a budget, just period, because quite frankly, there are some events in the street dance community that I have worked on that have zero dollars as their budget. And quite, that's just, that's just not, it's not possible. It's not. So make sure you have a budget, just period. But more so have a realistic budget. Um, I know that oftentimes you know, we have very small budgets within street dance events. And I understand there are many reasons for this. And I myself struggle to find funding for our own dance events. Um, but it's really important to make sure that we are outlining this stuff. Um, and I'm going to actually probably do a separate podcast episode on, you know, where to find funding and how to put a budget together. So if you guys are interested in that, please let me know, but I'm pretty sure I'm gonna end up doing a whole episode on that. So I'm not gonna get too into it right now. But anyways, my point being, I have a little bit of a bone to pick with organizers who try to put an event on together with no budget at all. And the reason for this is if you're doing your event for the community, then you should be able to pay your artists, number one. Um, and I need if I need to remind people of this, your judges, your MC, your DJs, those people are also a part of the community that you're doing this event for, right? And I think a lot of times we don't think of that. We think of them as we're hiring them for a service. And while that's true, we also need to think of them as guests that we want to treat really well. Um, so it's really important to make sure you're paying people. I just really don't like events where people try to ask people to judge for free or DJ for free or MC for free. And while I know that sometimes we have very limited budget and there's very little we have to work with, I would just encourage if you're in that position to make sure you're considering other things of value that you can offer, whether it's free lodging, food, travel, entry to the event, or a trade of services that you can use to negotiate and cut costs. Um, or just be more realistic and know that like if you can't afford $1,000 for getting a judge to fly out for your event, um, look within your local community for artists who can participate. Um, but regardless, I really do think that we should be paying people, period. Um, and if you can't really afford to do that, then maybe you should reconsider putting on this event or try and find funding before you try and put on this event. So making sure we do that just because I think it's a little disrespectful and it just perpetuates a reality in which artists, especially street dance artists, are undervalued and underpaid. And quite frankly, most of the events that I've been to that 
are asking people to judge for free tend to also not be that well organized because if you can't afford to pay your artists and you probably can't afford to pay for a quality venue or for quality DJ equipment and you just see them skimp on a lot of stuff. And while I know sometimes we have to work with, like I said, what we have because we're just trying to do something positive for the community, um, there are a lot of funding resources out there. And I think, you know, it's better to take your time in getting those funding resources before you throw something instead of just rushing to throw something together. And then it's not really a positive experience for anyone involved anyways. So it's like kind of what was the point of doing it, if that makes sense. Sorry, that's a little personal side tangent. But on another note about budget really quickly before I move on to the next and final tip, um, making sure when you do outline your budget, sitting down and writing out all the things that you're going to have to pay for venues, equipment rental, you know, your judges, your DJs, your MC, if you need a graphic designer or if you want, you know, trophies made. But just make sure you list all that stuff out and go and do your research as to how much this stuff is going to cost. Don't just throw a number out there. Um, And if you, for some reason, don't have any budget to work with, estimate how much ticket sales you're expecting to get and that's your budget. So if you're doing $10 tickets, you're expecting 100 people, then $100 is your budget. Sorry to interrupt this podcast. Um, I'm from the future currently editing this and I realized I said that $10 tickets times 100 people was $100, which literally makes no sense at all. Clearly I can't do mental math, um, $1,000, which is a much more realistic budget. Um, and that's what I had in mind when I first was thinking of that example. So I don't know why I said that, but yeah. Anyways, back to the regularly scheduled program. That's not a lot, I wouldn't recommend that, but <laughs> um, just kind of working with that. And so, If you need to increase your ticket price or increase your marketing plan, that way you can get more people in the door, then those are things to consider in order to increase your budget. But as a baseline, you should always have that as a budget and then you can look for external sources as well. Anyways, I will do another podcast episode because that's a whole can of worms that I can get into and I'm not gonna do that right now. So that's just my short have a budget, have a realistic budget tip. Finally, My final tip is that the small details matter. Whether it is the weather, having food accessible nearby your venue, or the smell in the room, the small details really do matter. And yes, I use these examples because these are all things I've had bad experiences with at various dance events. I have gone to outdoor dance events where the heat is so bad, I've literally had to leave because I thought I'd pass out and there just wasn't enough shade, places to sit, or cold beverages provided at the event. I've been to events where there was no food for miles and I've gotten full on migraines from starving through an eight hour event. Um, I've also been to events where there's no ventilation in a room and it's full of hot bodies and sweaty dancers and the BO was absolutely rank. So that all being said, it is super important to consider the small details of your event. Things that can really, really make or break your attendees experiences just on like a basic like comfort and like human needs level. So that is my final tip. With that, uh, I hope that these top six tips will help you organize a quality dance event. Um, I would love to hear your guys' feedback and thoughts from today's episode. So be sure to follow me on Instagram at Jinx Dance Media. 
or shoot me an email on my website, jinxdancemedia.com, if you have any questions and would like to learn more. Until next time, bye everyone.